Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. So excited you decided to join us today. Before we jump into the, into the podcast, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. Um, you know, their customer service, even before they were sponsors, was unbelievable. It's one of the reasons I, I reached out to them and said, I want you to sponsor, be one of our sponsors on our podcast, because I just believe in their machine so much. And it's just helped our team win so many games. So uh, mention Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It is the one-stop shop. It is my baby. Um, it's one of the reasons we're able to keep this free. We're not going to be charging for our podcast or our YouTube channel or anything like that. Um, but it's also run by a high school coach for high school coaches or youth coaches or even college coaches. Um, it's not run by a, a, a college. It's not Zoom. It's not all these Zoom calls. It's on court. It's demonstrations. It's videos. It's clinics. It's handouts. It's everything you need to become a better basketball coach in one-stop shop. So if it's not there, I will find it for you. <laughs> all right, let's head off to the podcast. All right, welcome to Coach Unplugged. I was actually putting some, uh, I was doing some editing this morning, and it, it's like you're going to be in the 1200 range. If you can believe I've done 1200 podcasts for Coach Unplugged, it's like I won't even start doing the math on how much of my life has been in front of a microphone. But, but, but it's been fun. I've learned so much. I think it's helped my program and my team too. But, um, so, uh, Coach, so Coach Horowitz, um, so Dan, I'm going to have you kind of introduce yourself and kind of tell the audience. I I've done some reading this morning on you and kind of your basketball journey, and then kind of ran across your book. I don't know a couple of weeks ago, so I want to talk about that too. But um, just kind of tell us a little bit about your your journey, your coaching journey, and then we'll we'll dive into kind of how you got into your consulting thing in your book and all of the co- building culture and all of that. So tell us a little bit about yourself is what I say, you know, give us some, 
not the elevator pitch, but give us kind of your uh, your if if we were making a thirty or twenty seven minute documentary of your life, what, what what would it what would it say at this point? That's what I'm saying to you. All right, go ahead. I'm going to turn it over to you, Dan. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, very excited to you know have a great conversation today. So basketball journey. Uh, I have an older brother uh, that's five years older named David and a twin brother named Ben. So David's the one that kind of got me into playing basketball and you got to play with his friends when we were younger. And I just always loved that is a big deal, isn't it? I had an older (laughs) brother too. There's almost four years, like Mm -hmm. from a Hooper standpoint, big deal. Like it's always, (laughs) cause you're always tagging along and they can't get 10. So you're the, (laughs) not you're the 10th or the the eighth (laughs) or the seventh or whatever. So they just throw you in so they can play. I, I mean, I think, from a developmental thing, huge. So <laughs> for parents out there, have more than one boy is when I want to get a hooper. <laughs> or, or it doesn't matter because the girls can hoop as good as the boys, if not better now anyway. But have multiple kids is what I'm saying. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's a great point. You're always itching to get in the game. So I uh, owe him a lot of credit. And, uh, and then having my twin brother, you know, always had somebody to play with. So, uh, so we loved basketball, played at recess and uh, here in Connecticut on Wednesdays, everybody gets out of school early. So everybody would come over to our house. And uh, why, why do you get out of school early? Uh, that's just how they do. I think uh, they have staff meetings on those days for teachers. So it will be like, like if you usually get out at 320, you get out at two o'clock. So not too much early, but uh, it's a great time for the teachers to meet. And uh, the kids love it. Um, so, yeah, so we always have a bunch of kids over our house playing all, all tons of sports. Um, but we obviously love playing basketball. And then uh, as a 10-year-old, I kind of made the lofty goal of playing college basketball. And at that point, it was to play for UConn and Coach Calhoun. And uh, <laughs> we, we've, we've all had those journeys. We've all had but, but you know what? That's what life's about. Like, you know, having that high aspiration. I mean, that's great. That's what every kid should do that. You know, um, I agree. Um, okay, so then what happened after 10? <laughs> yeah after 10 well I was striving for that goal and mom would let me dribble in the house and work on my ball handling and uh and just loved basketball and went on to play in high school and um and then my college uh recruiting went a little bit like this so I knew I wanted to play I uh, realized as a you know high school player that I wasn't going to be playing at UConn <laughs> but I uh I wanted really wanted to play so I reached out to 150 colleges uh, a lot of them more than once uh, 10 replied, three watched me play, one said yes, and that was Newberry College in Brookline, Massachusetts, and uh, I loved it there. I loved being in Boston and being able to go to practices of the, the D1 schools around us, like Boston College and Harvard and Boston University. It was just a Boston's great time. a great town. Boston's yeah. like in my top 10 towns in the, in the country. I love Boston. I was, just, I was in Boston two weeks ago, two weeks ago, and because we were flying to see my son, in, in Vermont, but um, the flight got canceled. The whole Southwest thing, people that are listening three years from now, there was a huge Southwest, like 6,000 flights got canceled. Anyway, wow. I, we ended up having to fly out of Boston, and I, I forgot about the big dig, man. That made it so easy to get to the airport, going under the water and stuff. It was so nice. Um, <laughs> but great city. I love Boston. It feels small. That's why I like Boston. It's not like Chicago or New York that feels big. Um Boston never feels that big to me. It feels because it must be because of the streets and I don't know how it's diagram. I don't know. It just never feels big to me, but 
anyway love boston that's my that's my shout out to all the people that are listening from boston i like boston <laughs> all right go ahead coach sorry <laughs> yeah no it's a it's a great place and i loved it and uh however we lost a lot of games so um i know you're uh you're a Dartmouth guy, and uh, we played, uh, you know, a team in the NESCAC, the little Ivy in Amherst, and they had okay. won the national championship the year before. So my second game uh, of my freshman year was playing the, the Rining Champ, and uh, they were like six five across the board, except for the point guard Aaron Toomey, who was the Player of the Year, and uh, that was a big wake up call to like how good Division three basketball was. And uh, the yeah. NASDAQ is crazy. Like my son is like six one, six two, and he's basically undersized. He decided not to play this year in Middlebury. It's like it's crazy. It's like it's like yeah, they're as good as D two, to be honest with you, in a lot of respects. It's mm -hmm. yeah, it's how good they are, it's crazy. I know. <laughs> All right. So then what happened after you graduated? Uh after I graduated, I uh coached uh for three years at the division three level. Um and uh as you know, anybody that, that knows division three, there's not really uh I guess, limitations in terms of, you know, recruiting and timelines for when you can do it. So it's just 365, go, go, go. And I loved going into the gyms and, um, you know, recruiting at some of the Ivy League camps, like, uh, you know, Dartmouth has a great one. And I had, I did want to ask you, they have the best, Coach McLaughlin, when I was working the camp, gave me a chocolate chip cookie. And it was the best chocolate chip cookie I've ever had in my life. So I was wondering if you I don't know where that would have It sure didn't come from Thayer. I'm it was the you No, it did. It was the dining hall. No, yeah, and things everybody... have things have changed since yeah. then. Uh, no, that's a great <laughs> camp. I, my son went to that camp. Um, went to the Bates one. It's great. No, um, it it it's funny because it's like a trick. It's like trickle down economics. Like if you're not good enough to go to you know Dartmouth or Harvard, then you trickle down to the Nest. I mean, it's like a trickle down. Um, but it's funny how um, it's funny. So so okay. So that good way to make a little cash on a on a, on a weekend at those camps. But um, what was the hardest part about being, other than the time constraints, was that the hardest part of being a Division three coach, assistant? Um, yeah, I would say so, just because, like, you're in, usually understaffed as well. So, you know, you're one or two assistant coaches, and you're just doing a lot, connecting with a lot of kids. I think the hardest part for me was, like, as uh, at that level, and honestly, all levels, you have a big reach, and, you know, unless you're in Ivy where you can only get – certain kids in but you know mostly you can get a lot of kids in and it's just a lot of back and forth with certain you know families and you want to make sure you give everybody the you know time of day and and answer all their questions so it's just a lot of moving parts i would say that makes it you know pretty difficult right i think the ivy is hard but good in some respects because yeah. you literally can eliminate 95 percent of the general population because you can only yeah. recruit like five percent because they can't get in like um i know it's uh that is crazy. And it's and people don't understand division three basketball is really good, like really good. But um, you're just under the you're not under the same. I mean, you just don't have the staff. I agree. It's just it's, um, you know, the head coach does. I mean, I probably make more being a public school teacher than most division three basketball coaches make after coaching after teaching for 30 years. So mm -hmm. it's not like you're not you're not building. You're not buying a yacht with a division three. Um, I mean, I could tell you the top two or three um, salaries at the division three level. And yeah, they're in six digits, but there aren't many like that. Trust me at that level. Um, but so, yeah, so it's great. So I, did you learn a lot? What, what was the, what was your biggest takeaway? Hmm. Definitely learned a lot. Um, 
I would say just the impact as an assistant coach that you can have on the, the student athletes, like at Mount St. Mary College, where I most recently coached, uh, there was a player that loved to shoot around. It would always be there at nighttime and some of them would get their own work in. And I just think the relationship that you get to have with those kids and I'm not there anymore, but, you know, helped bring in five kids that this will be their first season since they couldn't play last year. And like we have a group chat. So just the relationship piece, um, I learned it you know, was the most impactful part for me. And I'm just grateful to you know, still be connected to those kids. No, I think that's uh, I would. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's makes it. That yeah, it's more. I mean, you're playing. I played Division three too. You play Division three basketball because you want to play Division three basketball. Like it's there's no glory. Trust me. There's more people at my high school gym on a Friday night than there are most Division three games. That's what people don't realize. Um, so it's like you got to do it for love of the game. So so how long did that journey last? Is in in terms of the coaching part? Yeah. So that was for three years after I graduated and. Um, and then transitioned out of it. And, uh, and that's when I made that tough decision. Uh, but it led to me writing my book and starting my leadership consulting business. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so like now I still have all those connections and teams I cheer for. And, um, and, and so very grateful just to have learned so much in that, that time. And like you said, division three, like, you know, everybody wants to be there because it's, it's like, it is like a full-time job, but it's also like so much fun and the people you get to meet and the places you get to travel to. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I never would have been able to go to the dining hall, have some great chocolate chip cookies if I wasn't recruited, <laughs> um, you know, for. So, for so, school. so did, were you a business major? How did, how did this come up? How did this, um, the book writing and the consulting thing, and how did that come about? Was that because of your coaching, because of what you majored in college? How did that come about? Yeah, so I majored in sport management and minored in psychology. Um, I really enjoyed psych. Um, so I married yeah, to a so, psychologist, so good for you. Yeah, all right. Every every coach should either do psych or be married to a psychologist because if you're a coach, you need a lot of psychology. Yes, yes, I agree. Yeah, definitely have a, a great support system. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I think losing at, at you know a lot of games in undergrad, going thirteen and eighty-seven. Um, that's you know about four, uh, you know three, four a year, uh, and uh, but it, it also showed me like I said, we played some of the best teams. We played MIT and WPI and Tufts, and so um, it was just great for me to to see that and the the camaraderie and the togetherness. Like it was just it was so good. So um, like I, I mentioned, I spent a lot of time going to gyms all in Boston, um, and then worked some NCAA tournaments as well. So got to see like Villanova and Texas tech, like in near their locker rooms. And, and it was, so just, I learned a lot of information and as an assistant coach, you don't always get to voice those opinions. Um, but I had a lot of thoughts and had a lot of people share, share their, their inside look at what they do with their program. So that's what I, you know, try to put into the book and, um, never, never thought I would have written a book. Uh, but, uh, everybody's got a book in them. My brother's <laughs> written a book. I've yeah. written a book. Everybody's got one book. Anybody that's listening, you all got a book in you. It's just a matter of like, if you're going to sit down and actually do it. Um, I think, I, I, be, I think every human being has a book. I don't know what it's on, but it's a book. Everyone has one. Um, so, so let's go through that process first before we dive into your concern. So how, how did the book come about? And then how did you, I, I can tell you my writing style but how how did how did it come about um wanting to do it like how did how did you come about 
writing it and publishing it and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So after transitioning out of college uh, coaching, um, it was right as the pandemic was happening and I, I kind of just needed something to do. Um, and I'd always thought about it and now I didn't have any excuses not to do it. And so um, I came home to Connecticut and, you know, fortunate to, to have, you know, my mom and uh, sister here and, you know, just was able to really invest all my time into that. And, uh, and I don't know exactly when I decided to do it, like I said, I think I just really had a, wanted to share my thoughts and, and people had uh, given me good feedback on what I was sharing, just friends and stuff like that. So um, I, yeah, basically every day I would just wake up, you know, okay. eat something and then I would just start. You crank you know, it out. So, so, so how many, how many, so how many drafts and then what happens once you finished it? Yeah. So drafts, I would say one draft. However, I had like, I call them my starting five that went on my Google doc that I shared with them and they each made their changes. And, um, and these are all people that like value the same stuff as me. Um, you know, like the people first player, second type mentality. And, uh, they did an awesome job helping me as uh, so my unofficial editor, shout out to all of them. And then, uh, and then I, um, had a family friend who's cousin, uh, I think owns a, a publishing company. Um, and so, um, yeah, so helped me edit it. And uh, they were really, really good. I think I remember it was like 1,000 or 2,000 like uh, revisions. Like, you know, so they, they really did a good job. And so what, so, so, okay. So is it self-published? Do they publish yeah. it? Is it in, like, how does that work? Is it like I go on Amazon, I buy it and they print it then and then they mail it? Or is it in Barnes and No? How does that work? Yeah. So there was an option to um, do it through them or to just self-publish it. And I decided to self-publish and uh, so basically they just helped me get the document ready. Um, and then the other hard part for anybody that's thinking about writing a book is getting a cover design um, and then also formatting the book um, as well. So those are things that uh, another friend um, helped me get those resources. And so it was a lot of self-tie. I spent a lot of time listening on YouTube to, uh, to videos and did, I learned about probably a month in that you can go, you can speed up a video times two. I never knew you could do that. So that saved me. You can a do lot that on time. YouTube? I didn't know you could do that on YouTube. <laughs> so that, that saved me a ton of time. But yeah, so just a bunch of moving parts and then uh, got a few proof copies so you can have it in your hand and, uh, you know, I have it right here. And I remember the first time I had like a bunch of sticky notes like that, like I was like, oh my God, how did I miss all those things? So I don't think there's too many hopefully none, no spelling errors, but, um, yeah, it was a fun process and, uh, it's been really rewarding. Okay. So you so, oh yeah. So that in, intriguing for those of you, like I said, everyone's got a book in them. Um, and, and again, lifelong, what, what respect, what I respect about it is lifelong learner because like anything, like, you know, someone that started their business five years, I mean, I learned it. Now I have, a, I have a brother who's like a huge businessman. So I have, I have an asset there. But a lot of it was like, you know, you just got to get your hands dirty. Like, oops, that didn't work. Oops, it's Saturday night at 3 a.m. and my website goes down. Holy crud, like kind of thing. So part of it's self-learning. And I think that's important. Um, so, all right. So give me, give me the, give me three takeaways from the book. So I buy the book. First of all, I buy the book. What's it going to give me? And then give me three big takeaways. Yeah. So the title of the book is Help Them Up. And it was specifically written for basketball players and coaches, although a lot of other team sports can utilize the, 
the principles and even companies i've gotten a lot of feedback that these things you know work and, and work teams as well um, oh, so so for me from a business standpoint that might be a pivot for you at some point yeah like, you know what i'm saying i just i'm saying there's only so many basketball coaches and so many things but there's a lot of businesses and yeah. when the world opens back up and you can go speaking i'm just saying that's that's that'll be my bit, bit of a business advice like like the alan stein kind of pivot you know you can kind of go to the to the business world and start talking too but anyway go ahead keep going coach i'm sorry yeah those are all very good thoughts um, and so i the the book is named after help them up so help them up is chapter eight in the book and that's just when a teammate falls on the ground all four teammates sprint over and help them up you know so pretty pretty self-explanatory but it's it doesn't happen a lot and it's just it's honestly like just like uh i guess almost sad to see like a teammate falls on the ground and players walk in the different direction. So uh, Villanova is really, really good at this. And uh, they did it in the final four um, uh, game when uh, Brunson got knocked over half court and all four players within three seconds sprinted over. And it was like, they are well-trained, like, you know, just to do that every single time. So I know that's been, um, that's been on Twitter all, I mean, I have that clip. I show it to my guys. Like yeah. that's what we need to do. Yes. I know. I, I love that. Yeah. So in the book, like there's an example of, you know, a drill for there's a coach's corner for every uh, for every, each principal. And then there's a player's perspective where it's like, why is it important to help your teammate up? And then they can handwrite in the book, you know, what they're doing. And I have a few high school teams this year that are going through each principal with their team. Um, and you would think that like, you wouldn't have to talk about it. But I think once you do, like, you know, we were talking a little bit before, like you set that foundation. And then as you go on, maybe you'll you touch on it. But like you 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 give them the the i guess base work um and then they can do it so um that's kind of like the setup of the book so help them up is one uh, another one that i think is really uh important is huddle and uh hobart where my twin brother coaches he's an assistant coach there um his head coach steph thompson does a really good job making sure the team huddles up after every shooting foul and um it prevents you know the players yelling at the ref um, it helps. It's almost like a mini timeout if you want it to be. And then it's just a way to like show your togetherness. Um, so that's, you know, the second principle that I love. And, and what do you do? When do you do that? When do you do that? You do that after, after like I commit a foul or I get fouled? Both. Both. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's just a time to come together and they made the sweet 16. Um, and, uh, and then the COVID happened. So they didn't finish the season, but they had two really good games, but like, you can just see a big difference, um, between both um both teams like one team's huddling up and the other team's pointing fingers or going in different directions um, so that's that. a, that's the second takeaway um hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And then the last one that I uh, think is, is really important is the accountability circle. I learned this from Coach Mantegna at Blair Academy. Um, he coached Lou Aldang and Charlie Villanueva and some really good players. Um, and he spoke at the USA uh, Youth Basketball Academies. Uh, and I, he's just unbelievable person and, and leader. And they meet as a team 
um, after every practice and anybody can speak, usually not the coach and they can call each other out. Usually it's just shout outs, positive things. And then if the group is mature enough, they can be like, Hey, you know, Steve, you did, we know you're like our best defender today. It seemed like you weren't, you know, as locked in. So we need to, you know, for the future, we need to make sure you bring it every day because if we want to accomplish our goals, we need that out of you. So a respectful way and in a space where they can have that conversation directly after it and then not go home and, and, and continue to talk about those things, but you say it right away. And um, those are probably the three. Um, yeah, three we, of the we've, done that. we've done that in the past. And then I'll randomly pick a kid and then they got to say one good thing about what they did. One good thing about a teammate. One good thing we did as a group. So oh, the hardest okay. one is to say something nice about someone else mm. um, and then even for themselves. So I, it, it, yeah, I love that because it, I don't want them to, I, I let them, I love the idea of them saying something and then I want them all to be thinking about it because they don't know if I'm picking them or not that day. So, mm. <laughs> they gotta, so it's like, they got to think something good about what they did at practice. Well, I did this, blah, blah, blah. And then say, Hey, so Bill, you did this. That was great. I loved how you dove on the floor and blah, blah, blah. And then we, I thought we really did this stuff really. So it makes them start thinking in the positive because it's so, things can be so negative at times. Um, that How much in, time have you guys spent on that? Like how much time did you put aside? Two minutes. Do, uh, two minutes. Two minutes. Okay. And the end of practice, big yeah. circle, center circle. Um, yeah. Real quick. Boom, boom, boom. Um, how? How, how about um, like touches? I talk about that in chapter two, fist bump. Do you guys have any type of, uh, I guess, drill or is that something that you emphasize? We just emphasize it, but we, but I want to track it. I got to figure out how to track it. And the problem is with COVID, it's like, it's almost anti do that. Now. Yeah. Like the, the touch thing is like, so I think it's, I think what we're going to, because we start in a couple of weeks. I think what we're going to do is fist bumps. Like I don't want high fives. I don't want any of that. Cause to be honest with you, you're not probably going to, I'm, I'm a stats teacher. You're not going to get COVID from touching, but it's, it's more perception than reality. So yeah. uh, fist bumps, like how many fist bumps can we get in a game and then track it? Um, again, I'm a stats person. Like, okay, we had 27 this game. We had 13 this game and have like one of my managers literally track fist bumps or something like that wow. or, or, or Pat. So then they can see that over a season and it should when we've done it in the past, it doubles and triples about every month. Um, so you'll start low. You'll wow. be in the, Yeah. So it goes over time. And then by tournament time, you know, it's like, like they're trying to outdo themselves. It's, it's, it's a weird, it's a, it's this like rolling ball thing. Cause they got 77 and then they, they just want 78. They don't care. <laughs> they just want to get more. So yeah. it's like, and then they can see the, they can see it tracked in, in, in practice and in games and stuff. Um, so that has worked, that's worked well for us too. Um, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's just little stuff like that. And again, like people listening, you can be as creative as coach and I, like you just got to try. And I could probably give you five things I've tried that haven't worked. <laughs> that you just throw out, but that one worked, that one worked. Yeah. And I, they seem to like that. Um, and you're not fighting that uphill battle with them. I think that's the big part. Um, so explain to me how you go out and talk to teams and stuff. How does that work? Yeah, so I had one um, yeah, uh, two days ago with a, a team out in Oregon, Division Three, and it was a lot of fun. And I have a PowerPoint slide and go through the principles and add some cool pictures and 
just basically talk through things. Um, and, uh, and then usually the team will pick, you know, two or three they really want to emphasize for the year. And uh, it was really, I think the most rewarding part was uh, a team I worked with, they beat the number one team in the conference and the coach texted me being like, hey, we just won. Like, thank you so much. And that made me feel really good because I saw in the game him on the sideline making the, the huddle, like putting his hands together, huddle up or pointing, help them up. So if the coach is the one really emphasizing it, the team will buy into it. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and it's like so offensive. That, it's like rebounding. Yeah. We were talking about this before we went live. It's like whatever you emphasize, they'll do. Yeah. I'm just telling you, from someone that's coached a really long time, if you emphasize it, they'll do it. But you got to emphasize it. You can't do it like eat your vegetables on a Tuesday and not say anything for the next six weeks. They're not going to eat their vegetables. Like, you know, it's just – you got to every day. It's going to be every day. We're going to do this every day. Here we go. Like, and then it just becomes, I say it becomes part of it. it, it if you think about the definition of culture, um, you know, it's a group, you know, culture. Think about our society. There's cultural things. Thanksgiving is a cultural thing. Why? Because we do it every year. Here's what you have. You think you have Turkey, you have like, well, it's the same thing with culture in a program. It's got to be built into the fabric of it. And then again, math teacher, then there has to be something that you can actually track and something that is agreed upon. Um, you know, I, as a parent, there's a difference between, you know, a consequence and a punishment. Like a punishment is you come home late for curfew and then I, I take away your car keys. A consequence is something we've agreed upon before. And I said, here's what's going to happen. If you're not, do you agree that you need to be home at 11? Yes. Okay. Well, if you're not here, do you agree that this is what's going to happen if you're not? Yes. So it's that two-way communication works so much better as a coach and a parent than it does like you do. You're, you're being non-reactionary. Like punishment is reactionary. You did this, I punish you. You do this, I punish you. Like that's, um, so as, as coaches are listening, you don't want to do the punishment part you want to do the communication cultural building part um which i think i mean again my two cents i have lots of opinions they're not none of them are necessarily right uh um so uh so tell me uh tell me where they can get the book so the book is on amazon um just call it help them up and uh you got some good reviews man it's like that that's a big part of it yeah um yeah the reviews have been great and uh each one always you know makes my day when i see it and you know i wrote it i try to be very intentional with the way i did market it for basketball players and coaches and a lot of none of these are really my thoughts it's just from the the, the best teams in the country are the teams that i highlight yukon women's basketball um uh who else tops university they were number one for d3 swarthmore probably if I could tell anybody to watch a team Swarthmore division three men's basketball, they are like the, the best culture I've ever seen. Um, and, and, why, friends, and why do you say that? Uh, so if you just go watch them, you'll be like, that team is connected. Like they, from the warmups, they're all having fun, but they're, they're focused. Um, the bench is always standing up during timeouts. They all huddle up, put their arms around each other. Uh, they're all focused on the coaches. Um, and if somebody makes a great pass for a three-pointer, they always point to the passer and uh, and they just play really hard and they jog off the court when they get subbed, a uh, ton of high fives. 
And uh, I saw this all in person when one of my friends go went there. And so I went to the an NCAA tournament game and I was just in awe. And that's kind of, you know, part of what inspired me to write okay. it. So, so, so give me, give me where people can, I, I, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking it up. Give me people where people can get a hold of you. Give me your website, give me your Twitter account, give me all the places as people want to, you know, once they read the book and they want to reach out to you um, or, or deep dive into that, where would they do that? Yeah. So danhorowitz.com, D-A-N-H-O-R-W-I-T-Z.com. Uh, my email is contact danhorowitz at gmail.com. And then Twitter's danhorowitz1. And uh, happy to connect with anybody. Was there a Dan? There must have been a Dan Horowitz then, huh? <laughs> I've been there a long time ago. I don't even know, but yeah, that's uh, okay. that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. And then I, it, the, uh, to be honest with you, I just pulled up his Twitter account, and um, the easiest place is if you go there, he's got a link tree, which is basically you can click on it and it will show all the places he is. I have one of those. I don't remember which one I use, but I use one of those too. So then you can find all the places. Otherwise, yeah. if you're like me, you have adult ADHD and you're <laughs> going 80 different places. That's probably Dan Horowitz one at Twitter is probably easiest way to get, um, get a hold of coach. Um, all right. So I'm going to do, um, I'm going to do my rapid fire that I do with everybody um, that, uh, that I just ask quick questions. And then you're going to give me a quick answer. Okay. Um, best basketball coach of all time. My twin brother. Okay. Done. That Shoot. That would be easy. Uh, best basketball player of all time. Michael Jordan. What was your favorite pregame meal? Peanut butter jelly. Really? I haven't yeah. had a peanut butter. I love peanut butter jelly. My son's allergic to the peanuts, so we don't. Uh, uh, I know. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, uh, describe your ideal player in one word leader. Okay. If there is one thing you could change about the game of basketball, what would you change? Jump. I actually heard this on one of your podcasts, but you guys talked about jump ball. And I think that like, whoever wants that ball should be the one that, as long as they're not traveling when they grab it, but I, I like grabbing. Oh, that's jump an ball. interesting guy. Uh, what, um, uh, halves or quarters? I, I like quarters. Okay. Um, what's your favorite, what was the favorite brand of basketball that you use? The actual ball Nike. Why the Nike? I don't hear Nike much. The Nike elite ball. Um, elite. yeah, it's got a good grip. Okay. I like that. All right. If you could, uh, I'll end with, I'll end with an easy one or not, not necessarily an easy one. Um, this, so this is always the last question. What would you give, what advice would you give your younger self, like in high school or college? Or to a, or to a, or to a, like, I'm, I'm looking at your website and you're sitting here and you're, looks like you're talking to teenagers would be my guess. What would be your advice to your teenage self? Um, take more rest days. I, I heard that quote, somebody out there uh, is working, you know, harder than you. And I always wanted to try to be that person. And now my, uh, my knees and lower back are feeling the no rest days. So I would tell myself to take it easy. And sometimes, you know, rest days are just as important as a workout day. I think that's really, I think that's a great, no one's given that one. And, and like I told you, I've done a lot of pot. No one's given, I think that's a hundred percent right. Like I had to literally, our football team lost a week ago and I had to tell our football, I said, I don't want to see you for a week. What are you talking about? Well, I go, stop, go home, play <laughs> Mario Kart, whatever you guys play now. I don't even know what you play, call it, whatever you play. And just chill for a week. And they go, what do you mean? Well, I go, I understand it starts in two weeks, but basketball season's like 17 weeks. 
you'll be fine. One, one week is not going to hurt you, but it will help you mentally, physically, everything. I know. I think that's a, I don't think enough coaches give that advice, to be honest with you. Um, that it's, it's, it's multiple faceted. I agree. Multiple faceted. All right. Well, thanks coach. I appreciate you coming on. And, uh, it's uh, I'm going to give, I'm going to give out his, I love the one after your Dan Hor at Dan Horowitz one on Twitter is probably the easiest place, but you can go Dan Horowitz.com to um, I love that picture of like, like me, I'm always using my hands to talk to. So if, when you, when you pull up the site, you'll see coach uh, talking to a bunch of teenagers. So uh, thank you, coach. Appreciate coming on and talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that. If you want to support us, you want to help us get the lights on here at teachups.com, go over, join, 14-day free trial, and then stop the car, subscribe, like, Apple five-star review. That would be good. All right. Maybe. Have a good day. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.